0: At Wildwood Community Church, we are for following Jesus together to the glory of God. We're for the church, for the community, for the nations, and for the next generation. To contact us or for more information, see our website at wildwoodchurch.org. Today we're going to be continuing uh, our series that we began a couple of weeks ago on Christmas Light. And you know, lights are things that we decorate with at Christmas time, but there is a far more important light that is connected to Christmas inside of the scriptures. And that light, of course, is Jesus himself, who is the light who has come into the world, and the darkness has not been able to overcome it. And for those of us who live in this dark world, We find great hope and encouragement in the light that Jesus brings. And we're remembering that all month long as we're looking at a number of different passages of Scripture that talk about the light of Christ. This morning we're going to look at another one of those from Isaiah chapter 42, verses 1 through 7. But before we look at Isaiah 42 together, I want to just ask everyone this question. I want you to to think about this. Have you ever been stuck? Have you ever been stuck? Now, probably the answer to that is yes, right? I can think of a number of different times where I was stuck in maybe an exceptional kind of a way. I remember being on a mission trip in Volgograd, Russia, and being on an elevator with two people who only spoke Russian and I only spoke English, and the elevator got stuck between floors. And there was no cell phone in our pocket, and there was no phone on the wall of the elevator. We felt stuck. Right? I think about another time when I was living in Dallas and I was driving from downtown Dallas to where we lived in Arlington and I was going down I 30 and I was stuck in traffic. Now, that's not an unusual occurrence in Dallas, but this was a particularly awful traffic day and I was stuck on I 30 for three hours and I had to go to the bathroom before I got in the car. I was stuck. Right. I think about another time I was cleaning windows when I lived in Dallas to, to make some money, and I was cleaning the second-story windows on a house, and I would crawled up on the roof, and when it was time to get down off of that roof, I realized that there was a little bit of a gap between how far my feet hung down and where the ladder started, and I am scared of heights, and I was stuck on that rooftop. There's been some times in my life where I have felt stuck. Have there been some times in your life? Now, when we go around, most of us can think of some silly examples like that. And I say silly because it's obvious that all of those resolved in a good way, right? I'm standing here in front of you. I'm not still in that elevator. I'm not still on I-30. I'm not still on that rooftop. I got down. I got out. I was able to find the exit, all of those things. But there are more significant times in our lives where we feel stuck. We feel chained to some mistake or behavior or pattern of behaviors in our life. And there are things that we have done that night, that event, that season, or there are patterns of addiction that we feel chained to. And no matter what we do, we can't seem to get away from that. We feel like it dominates us. And furthermore, the place where we are being held inside of that, we come to church and we find out that the wages of sin is death. So I'm chained to something that ultimately leads to death. That's why it feels so dark in here. And, friends, there are some who are gathering here with us today who feel chained in the dark awaiting an eternal punishment for their sins. That's heavy, that's stuck. And that describes some of us as we gather even this morning for worship. Well, friends, for, for those of us who might be stuck, for those of us who find ourselves in the dark, there's great hope in Jesus, tremendous hope that we see in Isaiah chapter 42. Now, the book of Isaiah was written many years before Jesus was born, 700-some years before Jesus was born, Isaiah The prophet wrote down his prophecy. And yet there are many occurrences in Isaiah's prophecy that talk about Jesus. The the eternal Jesus who was born in Bethlehem had always existed and there was always this anticipation. We we sang about earlier, come thou long-expected Jesus. There was a hope and an expectation that Jesus would come. So that 700 years before Jesus was born, a song was written about him. Maybe one of the very first Christmas songs in Isaiah chapter 42. And we're going to read that today and learn about the light and the hope that is found in Christ. But before we read Isaiah 42, it's important for us to remember and recognize that Isaiah 42 is indeed talking about Jesus. And we know that Isaiah 42 is talking about Jesus, not just because I say so, but because the Bible says so. And because there are authors in the scripture who were inspired by the Spirit of God to connect Isaiah 42 with the person and the work of Jesus when he was born. One of those instances was in Luke chapter 2, when Simeon, this older gentleman, had somehow been given assurance by God that he would see with his own eyes the, the Messiah, the Christ, the Savior of the world before he died. And Simeon was one day in the temple area, When in walks Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus in their arms as they're getting ready to offer a sacrifice, and when Simeon sees Mary and Joseph and Jesus walk in, he's overjoyed, somehow the Spirit confirms that this is the promised one, this is the Messiah, this is the Savior. And Simeon says in verse 29, "'Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation.'" That you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, and then here he quotes Isaiah 42 a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. Again, we see in Matthew chapter 12, where connected to the ministry of Jesus, Isaiah 42 is quoted also. And in those instances, we see very clearly that the song we're about to read is indeed a Christmas song. It's a song about the person of Christ and what he brings with him into the world. So, with that set up, let's look now at Isaiah 42 together. I'm going to read these first seven verses of Isaiah 42, and then we'll back up and we'll see a couple of things from this passage today. Isaiah 42, verse 1 begins and says, Behold, my servant, He will, grow, he will not grow faint or be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth and the coastlands wait for his law. Thus says God, the Lord, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it and spirit to those who walk in it. I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you as a covenant for the people. A light for the nations, to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison, those who sit in darkness. Friends, in these seven verses, we see a couple of things that remind us of why it is such good news of great joy at Christmas time. The first thing that we see is what Jesus brings with him as he comes to the earth. According to this song, we find out that Jesus brings enduring justice and compassion to the earth. Jesus brings enduring justice and compassion to the earth. Now, we see this in the first four verses of Isaiah 42. And it's important for us to recognize the the context and the pronouns of what is happening here. You see, God the Father is speaking So Isaiah is writing it down, but it is God the Father who is speaking in Isaiah 42. And God the Father speaks and declares to all of us things about his Son, Jesus Christ. And so God the Father is speaking of the Son. And that lets us know who the He is. See, throughout the first verse here, we see He mentioned several times where it, it talks about in, in whom, you know, my soul delights, I put my spirit in him. And he will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry aloud and on and on and on. Who is the he? Well, the he is Jesus. And again, we see this very clearly from the reference to Isaiah 42 in Luke 2. We see this through the reference to Matthew 40, or uh, Isaiah 42 in Matthew 12. But we also see it even in some of the hints that are mentioned inside of this passage. It says that this, this, this one, it said, is, is someone in whom the soul of God the Father delights. Now, that's a, if we put, were to put quotes around that statement, where have we heard that before? Well, we've heard it in Matthew chapter 3 when Jesus was baptized and God the Father speaks a blessing over Jesus from heaven above. We see it in Matthew chapter 17 when Jesus is transfigured and His glory is shown to His disciples. Again, there, there's a, a statement from God that Jesus is the one in, in, in who His soul delights. Not only that, but His Spirit is put upon Him. And this, again, pictures the events of Jesus' baptism when the Spirit of God descended upon Jesus in bodily form like a dove. There are so many references and allusions that are fulfilled in the person of Christ that when we see Jesus, He is the He of Isaiah 42. And Jesus is referred to as the servant. God the Father says of God the Son, He says, Behold my servant. Now why would God the Father call God the Son His servant? Well, He he does so because Jesus' life was marked by service. He did not come in this earth to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. He came to do the will of God, which was to serve us, to demonstrate and to show us who God was and what He was like, and then ultimately to offer His life on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. He did not grasp onto His privilege, but instead He grasped onto justice and compassion, and He came to the earth to serve See, in these verses, we see that the He is Jesus, the servant of God who comes into the world. And and when He comes, these verses let us know that He brings with Him justice. Notice all of the different spots in these first four verses where justice is mentioned. At the end of verse 1, He will bring forth justice. Again, in in verse 3, He will faithfully bring forth justice. And in verse 4, till justice is established upon the earth. What happens when Jesus comes? When Jesus comes, he will bring with him justice. Things will be made right. Now, why is that important? Why is that good news for us? Well, friends, it's, it's good news that Jesus will bring justice because we are people who long for justice, At least we long for justice as it pertains to others, right? We want mercy for ourselves, but we want justice for others. Don't don't believe me? Then what is your attitude when someone speeds ahead of you in a lane that you know is ending and they know is ending? You hope that they get justice, that no one will let them in, so eventually they will have to get in at the back of the line, what happens when someone cuts in line at the busy concession stand? You want justice for them. You want the person working behind the counter to see them and to call them out and tell them to go to their appropriate location in line. You don't want them to cut. You want justice. Right? These are, are silly examples, but they remind us that you and I are wired for justice. There's something in, The reason why we chuckle is we share those experiences, and there are many more like them. Why do we long for justice? We long for justice because we were created in the image of God and our God is a God of justice, right? And those are silly examples, but there are far more real ones. Think of the injustice in the world. There are children without enough to eat. There are people who are ruled by leadership in nations who are exploiting them and not providing opportunity for them. There are children who are being abused in their home or abused in their school. You think about those those situations that are out there and they, they, they cause us to long for justice. And what we see inside of Isaiah 42, don't miss this, is we see the promise that when Jesus comes, he will bring justice to the earth. He will bring it with him. Now, the question may be, well, I thought he already came. Why is that justice not already established here? And the reason for that, of course, is because Jesus is going to come again. And the justice that is fully promised, that was hinted at in his life and ministry and the way that he treated others, will be fully realized upon the earth at his second coming. That is why we can sing the song, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. Why? Because when he comes, he will set his people free and he will bring justice to the earth. That means that when Jesus establishes his rule upon this earth, and that is a certainty, friends, one day that will happen. When Jesus establishes his justice upon the earth, there will be no dark corner where a despot will rule. There will be no mistreatment of children or of people, but there will be justice upon the earth. To the far coastlands, it will happen, and it will happen as the word of God Gets there. And as people are following it, the constitution of the universe will be the Word of God. Friends, there is a time when justice is coming. We sing of Jesus, we celebrate his birth because it's a reminder that one day justice is coming to the earth. Now, when we think about that, that probably at some level makes us corporately encouraged, but personally, it might be terrifying. Corporally it's encouraging that one day someone will set the world in place, but what does that mean for me? A sinner fallen from God, what, what does it mean for me? Well, well, we'll talk about that in a moment. But what's, what's fascinating is it, it's mentioned here that when Jesus comes, he will bring with him justice. But not only will he bring with him justice, but he will also bring with him compassion. He will bring, bring with him compassion. Now, where do we see that in the passage? We see it first in verse 2. His compassion shows up in that when Jesus arrives, He does not just become some kind of a loud talker. Someone who just goes about the street talking a big game but doing nothing. Not somebody that's just yelling and screaming when He arrives. That's not how He entered the world the first time. It's not how He will return the second. Not only do we, do we see the compassion demonstrated in his demeanor, but also we see his compassion demonstrated in his actions towards people. Verse 3 lets us know that a bruised reed he will not break, and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. Now, these are the references that are pointed out in Matthew chapter 12 connected to the ministry of Jesus. You know, when Jesus came to this earth, he, he did a lot of good for people. He he taught people the word of God, but not only that, but he, he fed the hungry. Those who couldn't see, he gave them sight. Those who couldn't hear, he gave them hearing. Those who couldn't speak, he gave them speech. Those who were oppressed by demons, he cast the demons out. Jesus demonstrated so much love and compassion. Now, why did Jesus demonstrate that compassion? Well, because he was compassionate, right? But also so that you and I would know the heart of God towards us. God is not just about building some kind of spiritual elite, Jesus coming into the earth and looking only for those who have their act together. And those who have their act together, he calls into some kind of special military service to follow him and do something in this world. That's not what we saw in the Gospels, and it's not what we see in the rest of the New Testament. Instead, what we see is Jesus came and people who were like a broken reed, Instead of coming along like a weed whacker or a machete and chopping them down, he stopped and he healed them and restored them and cared for them. Instead of just seeing people whose spiritual light was just kind of flickering because of the doubt they were experiencing, rather than snuffing it out, instead he fans it to flame. We see the compassion of Christ. He shows up not just bringing justice but he shows up bringing compassion. So if we are corporately encouraged by the justice that he will bring, we can be personally encouraged that he is also bringing with him compassion when he arrives. But I want us to not miss one additional thing inside of these first four verses. Not only will he he bring justice and compassion, but he will bring enduring justice and compassion. Now, we see that in verse 4. He says he will not grow faint or be discouraged until he has established justice upon the earth. He's not going to forget about it. He's not going to have a bad day. He's not just going to get tired. How many of you are challenged the longer you do something? Your 10th hour at work, you're not as fresh as your first hour. How many parents are out there who have more patience in the morning? Than you do at the end of the day at bedtime, right? How many students out there, when you still haven't finished your homework at 1030 at night, suddenly don't have the same enthusiasm that you maybe had during the school day? That's human. That's what we experience. We grow discouraged because we're human and we're weak. But when Jesus comes, he is going to consistently and continually deliver justice, and compassion. And so no matter what time it is, we can remember this, these things about our God. Now, we, are, we live in Oklahoma, right? And I'm going to go ahead and apologize to any Texans in the room for what I'm getting ready to say. But, but we Oklahomans, every fall, have a kind of an expression during the first or second week of October. And we will, we will ask each other, hey, what time is it? And we will say it's 11.44 a.m. And Texas still stinks or something similar to that, right? And the idea is no matter what time it is, there's still a superior team that resides just down the street. I want to replace that silly idea with something even better. What time is it right now? Doug, what what time is it? It's 1145, and guess what? Jesus still brings enduring compassion and justice. We don't have to worry, friends. No matter what time it is, Jesus is still going to deliver his justice and his compassion. Sometimes we can wonder, is it over? Have I missed it? No. If you're taking breath, guess what? We can know. We can know. He's bringing His justice and His compassion. We see that in the first four verses of this song. But I want us to see something else in the last few verses. Beginning in verse 5 on down through verse 7, we see two other things that Jesus does. He brings justice and compassion, but we also see in these verses that He illuminates and He unlocks our lives. He illuminates and He unlocks our lives. Our lives. Now, it's important before we look at verses five to seven to kind of orient ourselves to, to the change in the way it is written. If verses one through four were God making a declaration about Jesus, verses five through seven are God now speaking to Jesus. God the Father speaking to God the Son and saying some things directly to Him. That switch helps us make a little more sense as to what is happening in those three verses. Well, in verse 5, at the beginning of those statements that God, makes, God the Father makes to God the Son, God the Father kind of lays out His business card for us. Now, again, this is for us and not for God the Son. Jesus knows exactly who God the Father is. But God the Father reveals who he is in verse 5 so that we might remember and know who is talking. It says, Thus says God, the Lord, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it, and spirit to those who walk in it. I love that long, long introduction there because this is what it is saying. The God who created the entire earth And the God who created people, not just in one nation, but people who live in many nations, not just people who speak one language, but people who speak many languages, that same God who created them put spirit and life inside of them. He loves them and He cares for them and He wants to provide a way to reconcile them to Himself, not just the nation of Israel, not just people from one ethnicity, but God has a desire for all peoples to come into a relationship With him. And he's going to make it possible for that to happen through the person and the work of Jesus Christ. That's the the setup of verse 5. And I think it's beautiful to see the the references here to all three members of the Trinity. We have God the Father speaking to God the Son. We've demonstrated that in the passage. And the Spirit, we saw in verse 1, has come to rest upon. God the Son. So we have all three members of the Trinity present in this passage, all three confirming the work that Jesus is doing. It says at the beginning of, of verse 6, I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. It is not just okay. It is not just one option of many, but it is the right thing. It is the righteous thing that Jesus has been called to do, to make a way for people, regardless of where they come from, Regardless of what they've done, to be connected to God forever. Well, how does that happen? What happens when a new covenant is made between God and people? A covenant is an agreement, it's something that governs a relationship between two parties. We look at the Bible, there was an old covenant. The word testament, another word for covenant. There was an old covenant that was made between God and Israel. And it was a conditional covenant. God said, if you obey me and you do what I say, then I will protect your borders and I will provide for you. But if you disobey me, then I will discipline you. That was the old covenant. That was the Old Testament time. But what we see mentioned here in verse 6 is that through Jesus, a new covenant will be established. A new relationship will be initiated. And this relationship will not just be between God and one nation, it will be between God and all people. This covenant will be for all the nations, is what it says. And this new covenant is something that is referenced in the Old Testament. It was anticipated in places like Jeremiah 31 and Ezekiel 37. And Jesus, when he gathered with his disciples, they celebrated the Lord's Supper, something we're going to do at the end of our service today. And when they celebrated the Lord's Supper, Jesus said, in the elements of this supper, you will find a reminder of a new arrangement between God and man. And this new arrangement, this new covenant will be on the basis of Christ. If we embrace Jesus as our Savior, we will be accepted by God, and it will be certain, not conditional like the Old Testament, but it will have security because Jesus himself will guarantee it. If you remember two weeks ago, we looked in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 7 where it talked about how the zeal of the Lord will accomplish this. It is God himself who will guarantee the new covenant and make it work for us. See, there's a a, a covenant and an agreement that God has made, and that agreement is that the justice of God might be met through the work of Christ, that when Jesus came into this earth, he He died on the cross taking the penalty for our sins so that the justice of God might be satisfied for our sins. And then compassionately, He invites us to embrace Him and believe in Him in faith so that we might be set free from our sins. And that process is something that has turned on the lights for many of us. See, Jesus, who has established this covenant, has illuminated Our life. It says in verse 6 that Jesus is a light for the nations, opening the eyes that are blind. What a what a beautiful, beautiful picture of what Christ has done. If we are trapped in our sin and the consequences of our sin, if we are like established in that, that dark dungeon, chained to the mistakes of our past, Jesus comes into that darkness and shines a light so that we might find the way out. For those that have never come to know Christ, for those that have never trusted in Him, Jesus' illuminating work is what is inviting you to follow Him. For every one of us who are in this room who are currently following Christ, there was a point in our lives where the light of Christ illuminated the way, and we trusted in Him. And this morning, if you are here today and you walked in in darkness, but you begin to see the light of some hope, know that that's not something that is happening in what I am saying. It is happening because Jesus, the light of the nations, the light of Norman is shining right now, showing the way for you out of the dark. And that way out of the darkness, that illumination that he does is is to embrace and to follow him. Even for those of us who have begun following Christ, there is an illuminating work of Christ that we should not forget. Ephesians chapter 1 verses 18 and 19 makes it clear. It says, have the eyes of our hearts enlightened that we may know what is the hope which he has called us, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might. Anytime we grasp a spiritual insight, anytime we take a step closer to God is because the light of Christ has made a way for us in the darkness. But not only has He turned the lights on so that we can see, but He also has come in to, to sever the chain, chaining us to our sin, chaining us to our past, chaining us to our unbelief, chaining us to the eternal consequences of our sin. When Jesus died on the cross, when he shows up with the light, he comes with a pair of bolt cutters to cut that chain because he paid the price so that we might walk free. We see that in the end of verse 7. He came to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison, those who sit in darkness. Friends, Jesus has come to set us free from the dungeon and darkness and prison of our sin. If you are here today and you have never trusted in Christ, then it is possible that when we begin to talk about spiritual things, the lights in the room get darker and darker and darker because you feel chained to a past sin and failure and you don't know the way out. Friends, the way out is in Christ, who shows up and shines His light and cuts the chain and invites you to follow Him in the light forever. But for others of us who are in the room, we know that He's cut that chain, and we embraced it at some point, but for whatever reason, we keep coming back and sitting in the dark. Let today's passage, this servant song from Isaiah 42, may it be a reminder of the light and the hope and the life that Jesus has promised and made possible for us as he has come into the world with compassion and with justice, illuminating and unlocking our lives.